Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Amen. Well, tonight we are going to continue our Sunday night series, which is called Revive, which is all about revival. And as, I say, as I've just mentioned a few moments ago about our website, the, the notes for this message are on our website. If you've got a phone, if you're into that thing, you can take notes through our website on the, on the sermon notes section of our website on gatewaychurchcamry.co.uk. They're already up there and you can add your own notes to it. And you know, if you don't take notes, then you won't get into heaven. So I'd encourage you to take some notes this evening. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it's good, it's good to take notes sometimes. I remember even as a, a, a young Christian, I was encouraged to take notes. It's good because, you know, even, I, even now I look back on some of the old notes of, from old sermons of Pastor Rob and even other people. And, you know, it's an incredible blessing they can bring and strength and encouragement and reminders. It's good sometimes to, to take notes as well. So tonight we're going to continue in our series, uh, Revive. And uh, we're going to continue in this mini sort of group of messages in this series which is called the ingredients for revival, the ingredients for revival. And last week, we looked at the first ingredient for revival, uh, probably the most important uh, ingredient of all, which is prayer. We said the prayer is the most important ingredient. If we want to see revival happening, then you know there's things that we can do as the people of God to get ready for that. And we need to pray. We need to seek the face of our God. Uh, and tonight, we're going to look at the next ingredient. So if you have a Bible, can you please turn to 1 Peter 5? verse 5 to 6. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 6. If you haven't got a Bible, then it's up on the screen behind me as well. But 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 6. And this is an important ingredient, something that we can do as the people of God to get ourselves ready in order to, for when God says it's time when he can pour out his spirit upon us. This is something that, that can prepare us as the people of God. So 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 6. And it says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. <coughs> All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. So we've seen over these last few weeks, the revival is an awakening. It's a revitalization. It's a return to the of former glory and it happens within the church. We say the revival impacts the nation and unbelievers, but revival is for the people of God. It awakens us up again to the Lord to have a fresh love and a fresh passion for the Lord. And you know, we've seen after, even after studying scripture, we see that revival is completely a work of the Lord. It's not man-made, it is God. It is all of God. It is God from the beginning to the end and everything in between. It is all of God. God. But as I said last week, there are a few things that the Bible encourages us to do as the people of God to get ready for revival. There are things that we can do that are con certain conditions that we can prepare for that will enable God to pour out his spirit. And this second ingredient that we're going to look at this evening is humility. Humility. This is a vital ingredient in seeing revival. And, and, and we see that in past revivals that we see the humility at work. You know, if you, as I said last week, if you study any of the great revivals of the past, you'll always find men and women who were longing for a change in the status quo. They were fed up with the way that things were. They were fed up with the religious way that the church was, the rut that it was in. 
you know, not seeing salvations for you, not seeing baptisms or healings and all these things. They were fed up and they were fed up with their own walk with the Lord, being cold and far away or up and down. And they, we see that in, in the past, the men and women, they decided to do something about it. They, they needed to do something about it. To get, they longed to see God move again. They knew that something had to change. However, what we notice about those individuals, those who hungered and thirsted after God, they began to very quickly realize that they couldn't bring about change. They couldn't bring about it. No matter how much they could encourage people in their own strength and their own efforts, no matter how much they influenced people, they could not bring about change. And ultimately, they couldn't even bring change within their own hearts. You know, how many of us know that, that we can't change our, our own hearts? You know, we try, we might start something, even if it's like fitness and all these things. I've tried getting fit for about 20 years now, and, and I keep failing after about the second or third week. I give up. I can, you know, it's hard to sustain these things. You know, we make promises and we make decisions that we're going to keep doing these things. But how many know that, that our heart is deceitful? You know, our heart lets us down. We can't trust our heart. We can't trust that it is wicked, it is vile. For out of that, all wicked things come. We can't trust our own heart. And they, they realize that. These men and women of God realize they can't change it. They can't change a nation. How many of you realize tonight that, that we in our own strength can't change a nation? Some of us realize even in our own strength we can't change our own homes, let alone a nation. You know, but what did these people do? You know, as, as they realized that, they were made aware of their own inadequacy. They were made aware of their own limitations. They were made aware of their own sin, sinfulness. And there was nothing they could do to change themselves. So what did these people do? Did they give up? Did they think, right, well, it's, it's pointless. I'm not gonna, my life's never going to change. That person's life's never going to change. Our church is never going to change. Our nation's never going to change. Let's just give up. Did they do that? No, we see that God, in his grace, in his mercy, and by his spirit, he begins to awaken people to realize they need a pimp. They realize, these people come to a realization, and it is all of God. God starts this in people's hearts. How empty, how sinful, how, how wretched they are. God begins to put his finger on somebody's heart and life. And they begin, their eyes are open and say, God, it's you that I need. It is you that is able to change this situation. It's you that is able to change our church. It is you that's able to change my life and change my family and change this nation. They have a realization that it is God and him alone that is able to transform the situations around them, transform themselves. They realize that God is the one who has the resources. That God is not limited like we are limited. That God is able. They realize even though that they are in inadequate, God is adequate. He is able to do. He is able to change the wickedest of hearts. He is able to turn a community around in a, in a day. He is able to do it. There is nothing that is impossible for our God. And it's the same today. You know, no matter how well we try and and, and, and do church together. You know, we, we put these meetings on, we gather together, you know, we, we can get a worship team together, I can prepare a sermon, you know, we, we could come together, we could sing songs, we could have a fantastic kids program and all these things. But unless God does it, then it's gonna fail. Because we're inadequate, there's nothing we can do, but God is able. You know, we, we could be striving for so many years and we might not have seen fruit in any ministry for years and years, but when God begins to touch it, put his finger on it, it can change like that. That is the power of our God. And, and that's why these people realized, yeah, we can't do it, but God is able. Our God is able. And so what did they do? 
they humbled themselves and turned to the Lord. They humbled themselves. They said, it's not about me. God is here. God, you are able. You are able to change my life. As wicked as it is, as awful as it is, you're able to change my life. You're able to change my husband, my wife. You're able to change my mother, my father, my brother, my son. You are able, God. Only you are able. And no matter how much they try, no matter how often they attend church, no matter how much they might preach to people, they realize that their efforts are, are useless. And we realize that, don't we? Our efforts are useless. Unless God is with us, unless his hand is upon us, unless his spirit is leading us and do, guiding and moving, it's pointless. We need him. And these people realize, and they humble themselves, and they turn to the Lord. As I said, humility is a vital ingredient in seeing revival. And humility, I believe this with all my heart, humility is something that's lacking within the church today. We need to get back to humility. We need to be a humble people. You know, the Bible encourages us to be humble. We need to be a humble people, not a boastful people or prideful people, uh, people who are humble. People who are humble. You might say that's fantastic, but what, what is humility? And how can we become humble then? How can we become a humble people? How can Gateway Church become a humble church, a really, a truly humble church? Well, in, in 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 6 that we've just read, we're shown, we're instructed on how we can become humble. Peter's instructing the believers at his time, and he's, he's instructing us as well through his word, how we can be humble. And it's in verse 5 there. It says, in the same way, you who are young, younger, Submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourself, clothe, yourse clothe yourselves, I'll get it eventually, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Clothe yourselves. Notice that, that God isn't saying he's gonna make us humble. The onus is on us. Humble yourselves. Clothe yourselves with humility. Humility is something that we need to put on as believers. It's like a piece of clothing. It's like a jumper, which I'm sure we, we're probably going to need over the next couple of weeks because it doesn't look like summer is coming. Clothe, humility is like that jumper that we're going to need to put in. We need to clothe ourselves with humility. So, so what is it? We notice in the book of Peter that, that Peter had previously been encouraging believers. He'd been writing to these believers and encouraging them about submission. He'd been teaching them about submitting to authority, first of all, to those in government, to submitting to those, the leaders that God has put there. Then he instructs those, those masters to, he's instructing the slaves to submit to their masters. We don't have that anymore, but he was instructing them for the slaves to submit to their masters and also for the wives to submit to their husbands. That's what he had been previously instructing them. But now he commands, Peter commands all followers of Jesus to firstly submit to God and then to submit to one another. It's a challenge, isn't it? Submit to one another. To submit to God, yeah, maybe we could grasp that, but to submit to one another, that's quite difficult, isn't it? It can be quite difficult. It says, he says here that the younger believers should submit themselves to the older believers. And he's, he's talking there not about out of respect for their age. He's not saying just submit to them and listen to them and be obedient to them because they're older than you. He's not saying that. He's saying submit to them out of a respect for their spiritual maturity. 
He's saying, these believers have gone on a lot longer than you. They've walked with Jesus. They've gone through trials and difficulties that can help you. So submit to them. Respect them because of what God has done in their life. Respect them because they're still there hanging on, faithfully preaching the gospel. Still there turning up, speaking encouragement and lifting people, to, pointing people to Jesus. So that's what he's saying. For the younger believers to respect the older believers, to submit to older believers. Now I do have to say, this evening that not every older Christian is a mature Christian. Not every older Christian is a mature Christian because the quantity of years is no guarantee of quality of experience. You could be, have come to church all your life, yet you could still be a baby in Christ. Maybe you don't even re- you don't read the Bible for yourself, you don't pray, you just keep coming week in, week out just to be fed and that's it. You go home and live the rest of your life as you want to live it. There are people, and it's so sad to see, people who have been in church for years and years, and it, it doesn't seem like they've, cha- they've grown in all those years. It's sad. You know, this Christian life, we are called to grow in our walk with the Lord. We're not called to remain stagnant. And even some of you, maybe here tonight, maybe you're 60, 70, 80, don't stop. There is more. God has got more. God's got more for your life. And I'd encourage you to keep growing, to keep seeking, but also... We're encouraged, and I encourage you, and the Bible encourages us, start encouraging the younger people. Our youth desperately need it. And not people, they don't want people to tell them what's right and what's wrong. They just want people who are there for them and will support them and encourage them. And yes, at the right time, guide them and help them. But they're just looking for people who will be there and listen to them. I want to spend a bit of time with them and share a bit of experience with them and build them up. And also... You know, there's some people, and we see it's so sad to see some churches, there are older members in these churches, and they've never let go of their positions. They haven't handed it on, they've passed the baton on. I thank God for Pastor Rob. His heart was to raise up a new next generation. I thank God for that, I and mean, that's my heart. God, raise up the next generation. You know, our identity isn't found in our position, in what we do in our ministry. Our identity is found in Jesus. We're to hold lightly onto our roads and we thank God for the opportunity to serve. But if we can encourage somebody else and build someone up at the right time, and especially younger people, let's get them in. Let's get them involved. You know, I, I, I honestly believe that. I don't think I'd be doing this unless I was encouraged and had an opportunity to share and to be involved. Younger people looking to get involved. Grace, Nat, Gav, it's not for you just to sit there or come here week in, week out. Let's encourage them to be a part. Let's encourage them to seek God for themselves and allow God to use them and call them. That's what the Bible instructs us to do, to pass the baton on. And there he says, you know, a mature Christian isn't just an older Christian. And he's saying to the believers, submit to these older Christians. But it's also for these younger Christians as well. They've got to listen to the older Christians. You know, and I encourage all our younger people with that. I thank God for there's so many people who've been walking with the Lord for so many years and are incredible examples in this church. And I thank God for that. And I encourage every one of them, get close to someone. Get connected with one. Somebody here who's been walking with the Lord because they can help you. I guarantee they've gone through situations and struggles that you have gone through or you will go through that will help you in your walk with the Lord. So get alongside someone. You know, it's too often there's a generation war within the church, isn't there? You know, these young people are trying to fight for positions. The old people are, are fighting not to let go of them. 
older people don't want to see change. They don't, don't like the new songs. They don't like the new styles. They don't like the new worship and all this sort of stuff. They don't like the new style of preaching. Younger people don't like the older style. You know, they, they're longing for change, longing for freshness. There's always this generation war within church. But we need to stop that. Because the Bible encourages us and Peter encourages us to submit to one another. We're not here just to satisfy ourselves or to get our own wants or our own desires. We're here for the Lord. We're here to glorify Him. And He is the one who instructs us on how we do this. It's not us, it's the Spirit who leads us and guides us. It's not about having this song or that song or this way or this style. It doesn't matter about style. Styles come and go, but the church of Jesus will remain. And He is the one who's always going to lead it. And yes, we want to be modern. We want to reach out to today's generation. But we don't want to cut off the arm for the older generation either. We want to be a church for all ages where all people can come and just simply worship Jesus and find Jesus. This is what we are about. And so the Bible says that that one of the ways that we can stop this generation war and one of the ways that we can gain humility is for all believers, young and old, to submit to each other. And also for all believers to ultimately submit to God. Submit to Him. As I say, clothe yourself with humility. Just like Jesus. Our God, our Savior. God Himself who humbled Himself. He did not consider equality with God as something to cling on to as His own advantage. But what did our God do? The King of Kings, the Maker of this world, humbled himself and came to this world. He reached down to the outcasts, to the lowly. In the last supper, he picked up a towel and was washing his disciples' feet. He came not to be served, but to serve. And it is him that we follow. He is our example. And we too, as the church, as believers, all ages, we need to be servants. We need to have that servant attitude. Where we're saying, it's not about what I want or what you want. Or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Or it's not about lording over people. It's saying, how can I serve you? How can I help you? How can we encourage you? I even shared that in our connect group this week. You know, there's a sermon I heard as a young person. Stack chairs, change the world. It starts with the smallest of things. Just serve. doesn't matter. In whatever capacity God calls you, just serve where you are. Be faithful in that role until God says otherwise. It might be picking up a bit of rubbish every week. It might be handing out the leaflet. It might be making a cup of tea. It might be preaching. It might be whatever. There's no no greater role. We're all here to serve one another, to build one another up for the glory of God. It's not I'm better or you're better. There's nothing like that in the kingdom of God. We're all children of God, and God has just gifted us and called us and using us in different ways so that we can serve each other and build each other up. And you know, Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then you've got to serve. It's the lowest of the low. Get on your knees. Start helping. Start serving wherever you can. You know, humility, it's not, many people think that humility is, you know, being quiet or thinking, you know, awful of yourself. Humility is not about demeaning ourselves or thinking poorly about ourselves. Humility is actually not thinking about ourselves at all. That's what humility is. It's when we don't think about ourselves, but we're just thinking about God and others. That's what humility is. It's God first. And then others, the Lord Jesus said, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say love yourself, did he? He said, love your neighbor as you would love yourself. God, others, then you, as, as has been said before many times, that's humility. 
But you know, we can never submit to one another until we're able, first of all, to submit to God. We've got to be able to submit to God. We've got to submit ourselves to him. You know, Peter backed that up. He backed up the verse in, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. And it's also quoted in James 4, verse 6. It says, there it says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. He backed up what he was saying with that verse. You know, it takes great grace to submit to another believer, doesn't it? You know, I'm sure it's, it's, it's difficult. Even, you know, I'm a young guy. Many of you have been walking with the Lord for many, many years, and I'm sure that it might be difficult to think of that. But we've got to submit to one another. Submit to one another. It takes great grace to submit to other people. But the Bible instructs us to. I'm to submit to you. You, you know, we're, we're to submit to one another. As I said there, God opposes the proud. Listen, he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. You know, God resists the proud. Why? Because God hates the sin of pride. And that's evident in our world, isn't it? Pride is evident in our world. You know, even I, I knocked on my phone uh, this morning, and uh, I was just looking through some of the apps, and even on my Barclays Bank app, they've changed the logo color to the gay pride color. We can see on there the pride is everywhere. People are boasting about the way they live and about their sin. And I'm not just labeling out the LGBT community, you know. It's all sin. It's so proud. They're saying, you know, that's the sound, song of heaven. The, so, uh, the song of hell is, I did it my way. That's what they're going to be singing in hell. I did it my way. It's all about me. It's all about me. Look what I can do. I know best for my life. I know how to do this. I don't need anybody else. I've got it. Look at me. That's what the world says. But the Bible says that God opposes the proud. He hates pride. It says it in, in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. It says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And this is what the Lord says. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. God hates pride. God hates pride. You know, it was pride that turned Lucifer, who was an angel, into Satan. Because he got a glimpse of himself and he thought that he was better than God. That's what caused it. We see that, that Eve, she wanted to be the equal with God. She thought she knew better and she could eat that fruit in that tree. And, all, and her eyes were open and sin came into the world. You know, the pride of life is evidence of worldliness. You know, when you see people boasting about themselves and everything else, it actually shows how worldly they are, how carnal they are. You know, as the people of God, we're not called to boast about, about ourselves. We're called to boast about Jesus called to boast about him and what he has done you know we lay our crowns before him our wealth is in the cross as the song says we boast about Jesus that's what we are to boast about and you know the only antidote to pride which is the opposite of humility the only antidote to pride is the grace of God that's the only thing that can stop pride in our lives is God's grace when we encounter his grace knowing that we deserve punishment and hell but knowing that he saved us in his mercy and, and not only saved us but he's given us a hope and a future that we're going to be with him in all of within with him in heaven in all of, for all of eternity. That's the only antidote to pride is God's grace. And it's when we surrender to him and say, God, I know what I am. I know I'm a sinner. And I'm in need of you and your love and your grace. And you know, we need submit to one another. And the Bible instructs us to do that. Maybe you've come here tonight and you're afraid to submit to somebody because of past experiences. Maybe you'll feel like 
if I serve or if I submit to other people, they're just going to take advantage. They'll walk all over me. You know, that happened even with Jesus. If, you know, if, if that's happened to you, then you're in good company. You know, he came to serve. He washed the disciples' feet, but they abandoned him. He came to die for us, but people spat on him, beat him, whipped him, nailed him to the cross. You're in good company tonight. But you know, when we surrender to God, we don't have to worry about it. Because no matter how much people will let us down, or even if people do try and walk all over us, we know that God will reward us. God will reward us. There's a greater reward than people's praise. You know, we don't live by, for the praise of men. We live for the praise of one, and that is Jesus. You know, all, all I want to hear when I get to heaven is, well done, and good, good and faithful servant. That's the only words that I want to hear. Don't worry about anything else at all. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's all we're living for. Is we're living for the audience of one, as people have said. And so we need to yield ourselves, first of all, to God and say, God, I surrender my life to you, everything in my life. I wonder tonight, have you surrendered your life to him? Not, I wonder tonight, is Jesus Lord in your life as well as Savior? You know, many people, as I said, are happy to ask Jesus to come into their lives to save them and forgive them of their sins. But not many people like Jesus coming in and Lord in our life, being Lord over all, leading us in every area. Let's ask him, Jesus, be Lord over my life. You know, that's been my prayer. Even in the last couple of days, Jesus, be Lord over my life. In every area, in everything I say, everything I do, be Lord over my life. Lead me and guide me. You know, if we long to see revival, then we need to clothe, clothe ourselves with humility. You know, the church that God truly blesses is going to be a humble church. It's not going to be a boastful church just make, looking great and sounding great and looking, you know, boasting about themselves. The church that God will bless is going to be a humble church. You know, and even when I think of that, I think of like Brooklyn Tabernacle. You know, they started with like a couple of people, but they surrendered their lives to God. And look how God blessed that. You know, they, they pastored Jim Simbola, never went to Bible college or anything. But yet, they got multiple thousands and God is ministering and moving for so many years. There's so much fruit from that ministry. You know, I pray that that would happen in this place. We're going to put on humility where we say, it's not about us, Jesus first, others. We're going to clothe ourselves with it and we're going to live to serve other people. And you know, when we do that, and not just for a reward, but we just do it because of what God has done in our lives, because of the grace he's shown in our lives, when we do that, you watch what God will do. God will bless it. God will bless your life. God will bless this church. I believe that with all of my heart. So this is one of the keys important keys in revival and you know that in the welsh revival as we come to a conclusion in the welsh revival evan roberts cried out bend me lord you know he's often seen as the face of revival but that was his prayer god bend me and that's when god came that's when he was filled with the holy spirit when when god really began to move in his life and use him is when he said god bend me ultimately he was saying god i need you he surrendered himself to god and he said god would you be lord of my life he was a Christian, but he asked God to lead his life from that moment. And his life was transformed. And we, we, we read in the stories of it, we preach about the worst revival, of how many lives was impacted. That's my prayer. And that's got to be the cry of the church today. But, you know, I could say the church in general. That's got to be the cry of our church. That's the cry of my heart. God bend me. I need him to. God use me. Be Lord over my life. You know, it says in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
seek my face and turn from my wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive the sin. Then I will heal the land. Let's start praying as a church and let's put on humility. Let's humble ourselves and say, God, I need thee, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. You know, that, that song has been on my heart for a few weeks. God, I need thee. Every moment, every second, God, I need you. I need you to help and take control of my life. I need you. That's got to be our cry. And you know, there's a quote there from Andrew Murray. It says, water always seeks and fills the lowest place. In the same way, the moment that God finds someone abased and empty, his, his, uh, his glory and power flow to exalt and to bless. He that humbles himself, that must be the, our care, shall be exalted. That is God's care. By his mighty power and in his great love, he will do it. So if we humble ourselves, he's basically saying, if we humble ourselves, God will bless us. And we know his blessing and his presence in our lives. Let's humble ourselves in the days and in the weeks to come. Amen. Shall we pray? Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.